Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Well, this morning is really an honor for me to bring you God's Word, and I've decided to go old school. I didn't bring my iPad. I brought a Bible. I... I brought my wife's New Living Translation because I love this translation. I printed out my notes. And, and the reason why is as I was preparing uh, to just take my iPad and uh, just come, I felt the Holy Spirit says this. I felt the Holy Spirit says, go old school. And I felt the Holy Spirit says to encourage the church next year to bring your Bible to church. Not Daniel Chua. I felt the Holy Spirit said, I'm not kidding you. And, uh, we, but you may say, Daniel, but I've got my uh, Bible in my phone. That's not pakir. Right? That's, not, that's, not, uh, that's not a physical Bible. I'm just wondering, how many of you here do not own a physical Bible? <laughs> Can I see your hand, please? You, great. One, two, three, you. Can I encourage you? Look at all those hands. Keep those hands up. Great Christmas present ideas all right so if you want a a christmas present keep those hands up we'll buy you a bible and i really believe and i'll i'll speak to andre i believe he'll be for me he wouldn't be against me we believe in this next year let's make it a point let's bring our bibles to church how's that good idea great idea great idea uh bring your bibles and uh i would love to hear the flipping of the pages and uh, we, we used to be able to just turn the Bible and then we know exactly where what verse is and we've highlighted this whole book. And I kind of missed that. I missed that because uh, I went to my pastor's 60th birthday uh, last Sunday and uh, all the memories of me growing up just flooded my mind and I said, God, I, I, I miss the good old days. And I think that there are a lot of value that you know, we have when, when we bring our Bibles to church, when we memorize Bible verses, when we flip the Bible together, and then you know, when we make noise, when, uh, when the preacher says, open Bible, yay, I, 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 I just miss those days. I, I say all that to say that I miss my growing up years, but the best is yet to be. Amen? Uh, but there are some things that will never change. Somebody say, Amen. There are some things that will never change. And, uh, and one of those things that will not change and will come back again and, and again you know, is uh, some, of, some of the foundational beliefs. And if you know your Bible, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, uh, the writer of Hebrews talks about six fundamental truths or six foundation truths. And one of the six truths is the doctrine of baptisms. Some, 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 say, some say baptisms baptisms, which means that there is more than one baptism. We've got the baptism in water, and most of you are baptized in water, and some of you are baptized here at level 6 uh, in a commercial building in CPD. We baptize you here, but there is also the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And as I was preparing to speak this Sunday, I felt the Holy Spirit says to talk about the Holy Spirit, to talk about Him. And specifically to bring us into the experience of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I know this is old school, but I just felt the Lord spoke to me and said, Hey, let's have a fresh infilling of the Spirit as we come to the end of this year and as we begin a brand new year. And some of you have got no idea what I'm talking about because this is lost. You know, in this uh, modern day where we want to be relevant but there are some things that will never change. And the Holy Spirit has, and, and, and His baptism will never, never change. So, let, so just let me pray before I start. Father, we thank You for this amazing morning. Thank You for this amazing church, for Your people. Father, I pray for fresh encounters this morning, especially those of us who have not uh, fully experienced the person, the presence, and the power of the Spirit. Father, we pray, God, for encounters that will forever transform us we thank you we love you we pray all this in jesus name everyone say amen when i was uh, a brand new believer i i came to faith in a very traditional church and one of the first things that my leaders told me and is is not uh my salvation or who jesus is but one of the first things that my leaders told me in this church is be very careful about 
this stuff about the Holy Spirit. I said, what's that? Be very careful about the stuff has, that has got to do with the Holy Spirit. I said, okay, I'll be very, very careful. And around that time, there was an emerging preacher that was taking the world by storm. Uh, he was a young Middle Eastern person that grew up in the U.S. and wrote a book that became a bestseller. The book's uh, title is called Good Morning, Holy Spirit. And that was like a contraband in the church that I was a part of. Well, we couldn't buy it. We were told not to buy it. We can't read it. And if you tell a young person not to buy something, guess what? I took a train. In those days, it was the Northeast Line. I took a train to Orchard Road. There was a bookstore called Crest Bookstore. If you know what Crest Bookstore is, I date you, right? You, you are old, all right? Crest Bookstore. And I went to Crest Bookstore, and the, and the book, Good Morning Holy Spirit, was piled up. I got a copy, and uh, with fear and trembling, against my leader's advice on the way home from uh, Orchard to Simei, uh, uh, I opened up the book, and I read, I, I just keep reading and I read four chapters uh, uh, straight through and by the fourth chapter I read the story of Benny Hinn and, uh, and how he met the person of the Holy Spirit and he was so, he was so powerful, impacted by God and, and, uh, uh, and he was afraid to go to sleep because he was afraid that when he wakes up the feeling would be gone. And the next day when he woke up, you know, he said the same tangible presence was still there and then he greeted the Holy Spirit and said, Good morning, Holy Spirit. And that's, the, and that's how he got the title of uh, the book. And when, I was, and when I ran into that part, I was a brand new believer. I was in the train and for the first time I felt uh, a presence I've never felt before in the train. I was trembling. I had no idea what that, that was. Uh, but I, and I was like, wow, this is amazing. It was amazing. And that was one of the, my early encounters with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, and since then, I, I got more and more involved in the Holy Spirit stuff. <laughs> and I love it. I just love the Holy Spirit stuff. But I can, but I can understand why my leaders were concerned because you know, I've seen the full spectrum and I've experienced the full spectrum of the Holy Spirit stuff from reading the, the book and just feeling a little bit trembling to rolling on the floor to, to dancing in the Spirit to uh, doing strange contorted movements uh, that I never thought I could do, being a very stiff person. And yet I know, knew that all that was Holy Spirit. And so I can understand why some people were afraid of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, in a lot of churches, the Trinity is, the, is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scripture. And I... When, and in, in, the nine, in the first nine months, and I thought that was the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scripture. I've got to memorize the Bible, and I've got to know verses, and those are amazing. But can I remind us this morning that the Trinity is not God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy, or the Holy Scripture. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit. But I like what A.W. Tozer said, and since we're on this, like, quoting people's stuff, and so I'll, I'll go with the flow, and, and I'll quote some of my heroes. How's that? All right. And A.W. Tozer, if you have not read his book, I strongly recommend them. You, it will take you a long time to read one page. It's one of those books, uh, but if you can read through Tozer without feeling stirred, then I wonder whether you are really saved, all right? Tozer, and he said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. When I read this, I said, my goodness, how true is that? We can actually plan for an amazing church without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We can actually grow a decent-sized church without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Sleek marketing, amazing music, charismatic preaching, skinny jeans, tight-fitting t-shirt, good-looking pastors. You can grow a very decent church. The church today has become popular. It's part of the pop culture. Teenagers love to go to church because they see amazing singers, handsome looking, long hair, blonde people leading worship and they thought that's what church is. Can I remind us that when I was growing up, that wasn't really the church I grew up in. I love it. I love cool. I love great music. But when I was growing up, the church that I was a part of, every Sunday the altar is full. People are crying. Uh, we have to mop the floor because snots were on uh, the ground. If you come to the old cornerstone before they uh, renovated the, 
the place we had parquet flooring in the front and we can see stains do you remember those those who grew up with with me we see stains on the floor because not just young people even adults would would scream from the back and we'll all be on the floor seeking god together not because we have to but because we want to there's a hunger in our hearts for more and more and more of the lord and I miss those days where we go beyond just cool and uh, we, we really sincerely want more of God. And I'm praying that that would come back again into the forefront of what church looks like. And, and, and if you're with me, say Amen. And it's not just a charismatic thing. I, I want to quote from Francis Chan, you know, who for the longest time you know, wasn't a charismatic Christian. In fact, when he spoke in Bethel, when he, when he spoke for IHOP, uh, his friends kind of like keep an arm's length from him because they thought that he has been corrupted by the Holy Spirit thing. And he wrote this book called The Forgotten God, which I love it, and uh, it's about the Holy Spirit. And he says this, he says, when we forget about the Spirit, we really are forgetting God. Oh, wow. We are forgetting God. You see, I believe that for a long time now, there's been a silent divorce in the church between the Word and the Spirit. A divorce. When there's a divorce, sometimes the children stay with the mother. Sometimes the children stay with the father. In this divorce, you have those on the Word side and you've got those on the Spirit side. What's the difference? Those on the word side, they stress expository preaching. If you've uh, been in church long, long enough, I've heard this many times as a pastor when I was growing up, we have to be more scriptural in the way we preach. We have got to be uh, more word-based. And when they say that, I say, but every Sunday I open the Bible, I quote it from the Bible. And what they meant was we have to be more expository. We have got to go line upon line, precept upon precept, explain every single word. BSF is our thing lie upon my background we love we must be on the word side sound theology rediscovering the doctrine of the reformation we must know the scripture we must memorize the bible justification by faith god's sovereignty and these are all amazing what's wrong with being on the word side what's what's wrong Nothing's wrong. I, I think it's very important. We, we need to know our doctrines. We need to memorize the Bible. We need to know our theology. In fact, it's very important to be on the Word side. And those on the Spirit side, stressing about getting back to the book of Acts, encountering God, hosting the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit is before the Bible and we need to honor Him, give room for Him to, to, to speak, to move. We need to have charismatic worship. Very important. Is there anything wrong with giving a place to miracles, signs, wonders, gifts, is there, to be shaken during prayer meeting, to be crying, to experience God. Is there anything wrong? We've we, been on the spirit side, be healed, shadow healing, go on the street, pray for the sick. Anything wrong? Nothing wrong. In fact, I think it's very important. We should emphasize more and more of that, in my opinion, to be on the spirit side, also very important. So what's the problem? The problem is neither side want to learn from each other. That's the problem. Because if these two sides would come together, the simultaneous combination would bring about a spontaneous combustion. If we bring the Word and the Spirit together, we will have an explosion of the activity of the Holy Spirit, not just in this church, but in your world and across the globe. We need the Word and the Spirit to be married back to each other again and not one camp judging the other camp and pointing fingers. The church needs to be the church. And somebody say, Amen. Amen. When I was growing up, I heard this saying, it's not from me. I believe they copied from somewhere else. Someone started, I got no idea who. So let's give the credit to the Holy Spirit. But this is what I heard when I was growing up. If you're all word, no spirit, you dry up. If you are all spirit, no word, you blow up. If you have the word and the spirit, you grow up. Good? Amazing. I want to grow up. I don't want to dry up or to blow up. I want to grow up. See, we need the Holy Spirit to understand 
the Bible. We need Him to explain this book to us. In fact, John 14 verse 26 says, He will guide us into all truth. And He's the author of this book. And if you want to read this book as a textbook, you'll find it super dry. Before I became a Christian, I was trying to read the Bible from cover to cover. So I opened up in, in the book of uh, Genesis. I love it. It was very interesting. Exodus, still interesting. By the time I get to Leviticus, it gets a bit confusing. To Numbers, I gave up. I have no idea what the book is about. But when I became a Christian, even the names in the book of Numbers make sense. I can preach a sermon from names. All right, because the Holy Spirit guided me into all truth. The Bible makes sense to me, not just uh, as a preacher, but as a parent, as a, uh, as a employee, as a worker, as, as, a civil, as a civilian, as a Singaporean. The Bible is applicable to every area of my life. Because the Holy Spirit guides me into all truth. We need Him to guide us into all truth. Listen, you can have an IQ of 180 without the Holy Spirit. You will never understand this book. Which, which is why a couple of uh, years ago, I, I had a debate with a PhD uh, who has a PhD in religion, but you know, uh, was completely atheist. He can quote Bible, he can tell me where to find what scripture and all that, but he did not believe in God. So you can have a super high intelligence, you can come from an amazing school. We have got, uh, we have got schools you know, in Harvard or in Stanford that specializes in, that major in religion. But most of that, the professors are not believers. So it's not just about knowing more about this book. It's about letting this book know you and this book making sense to you and this book feeding you. Amen? Amen. We need the Holy Spirit to even receive a Rima word. To hear God, not just uh, understand the Bible, the Logos, but also, to, uh, but also to hear the Rima word of God which is applicable to your season in life. See friends, one of my favorite verses and we don't talk about all these verses uh, a lot uh, nowadays because we're always swinging, right? So we swing from the Spirit to the Word, but I pray that we will learn how to walk that straight and narrow path and we learn how to just emphasize both. So, but Zechariah uh, Ze chapter 4 verse 6 says, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. I mean, we, we can strive with our own strength. We can use human power uh, to grow this church, to live this life. But listen, church, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And somebody say, Amen, please. Amen, amen, amen. Another difference between the Word people and the Spirit people is this. The Word people stress fruit. Fruit. What's really important is character. We must have love, joy, peace, patience. Right. We must represent Jesus well in our character. They stress fruit. Is there anything wrong? Nothing wrong. Uh, the Spirit people tend to emphasize what? The gifts of the Holy Spirit. Miracles, faith, prophecy. Again, nothing wrong. The same Holy Spirit is the author and the giver of both. If you and I have the Holy Spirit in us, and, and we do, then we have got no excuse if we do not manifest both. Don't let anyone tell you, oh, we are spirit people. We've got all gifts, but their character sucks. Listen, that's not a Holy Spirit person. All right? Or we only have all the fruit, but we've got no power. Again, that is imbalance. Come on, we need to manifest both the fruit and the gifts of the Spirit for us to be effective in this world. And somebody say, Amen. 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 And I like what Smith Wigglesworth, uh, who was one of my heroes of faith growing up, uh, he said this, he prophesied that there would come a day when the Word and the Spirit would come together. He said it would result in the greatest move of God ever, an event that will sweep over the whole world. Can, so can we be that church that will emphasize both the Word and the Spirit? Can we be intellectually charismatic? Can we be charismatic intellectuals? Can we have both? And so that we not just have the understanding, but also the power to execute God's will in our lives and in this world. Come on. Why not us? Why not this small community of people? Come on. Amen. Amen. So I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit this morning. I want to emphasize.
because we have had some amazing teachings. We've got some amazing quotes from amazing teachers like Dallas Willard, uh, who, who's amazing. And these are people whom I think is a bit more on the word camp. I love that camp. But can I just be Pentecostal this morning and be in the spirit camp just for the next 25 minutes? I want to talk to you about the most amazing person that I've ever met in my life apart from Jesus and the Godhead. I mean, the most important truth about the Holy Spirit is this, all right? Get ready. I know this is basic, but for the young people here, this will change your life. The most important truth about the Holy Spirit is this. The Holy Spirit is a person. Star Wars is coming out. I believe on Wednesday night, if not Thursday. And if you ask the average Christian or a young person who has never been taught about the Holy Spirit, he or she would think that the Holy Spirit is a force. Right? And I thought so too. Especially in my younger days when I see charismatic preachers waving their hands and people flying. Woo! I thought, wow, that's a very powerful force. Right? Boom! But the person fly. I mean, and I thought the Holy Spirit was a force. Now, he's definitely very forceful if he wants to. All right, he can definitely throw you around if he wants to. But he's more than just an energy, a force, like, like the force in Star Wars. I believe the Holy Spirit you know, is, is powerful and, and he carries with him amazing energy. But he's more than just an energy or a power. He is a person. Say person. Amen. And so which means that we use the pronoun he, not it. So when you talk about the Holy Spirit, he's not it is very powerful. He is very powerful. I can know him, not I can know it. You with me? He's a person. He's not a force or an energy. And how do we know that? Because the Bible tells us so, all right? And we need to understand that like you and I, the Holy Spirit has got a mind. He has got feelings. He has got a will. I know this is super basic, but can I just remind us this morning that He's a person before I go on and tell you more. He's intelligent. He has an intellect. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, the Bible tells us, no one knows the mind of God except the Spirit of God who searches all things. In fact, the Holy Spirit has and, and is the mind of God in us, all right, and for us. So he has an intellect. He's super intelligent, which means that if you need him to help you with, with, with your math, he can. If you need him to help you innovate, you know, in your work, he can. He is all-knowing. Come on. He has got all the knowledge. All the, the knowledge comes from him. He was the one who inspired Steve Jobs, whether you like it or not, for good or for, or for, or for bad, about the iPhone. I don't know. I don't know whether this is a blessing or a, or, a, or a curse. I've got no conclusion yet. But he's all-knowing. He's still releasing revelations. And the problem I have is Pre-believers, those who don't know God, you know, are tuning in more to the creative force that is in the Holy Spirit than the believers. Because we are only, because we are only using the force you know, for what is religious. But can we partner with the Holy Spirit to come up with amazing ideas for, for technology, for education, for science, for math, for English, for the way we teach, for film, for fashion. We can! Because He's all-knowing. He, 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 he has a mind. He knows the mind of God. But more than that, he's, He has got feelings. All right, he's not just a force that's got no feelings. Huh? A force is womb, but He has got feelings. Right, and we read that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. Ephesians 4, 30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. A force can't be grieved. A person can. When my children fight with one another, even though I know that it's normal, kids growing up, they would fight, they would argue, they would go into different things. I know it's normal, but it still grieves me. Right, as a daddy, I'll still be grieved because my kids are not loving one another as they should. Likewise, you know, whenever we 
tell a lie or whenever we are unkind to uh, the service staff on Starhub, Singtel, you know, uh, Singapore Airlines, whenever we are rude beyond a certain point, I feel grief. I told you about how I was writing to Prime Minister about the, the, shark, the, the loan shark case in my house. And, and I had all the rights in the world. I was typing, my hands were shaking. I was angry because the police said that they can do nothing about loan sharking. I said, I wrote to, to PM, I, I said, PM, is the country run by, by gangsters now? And I was like trembling. And I see, see everyone, like from my MP to uh, the chief of the police force, everyone. Guess what? Next day, I got, I got, I got a call from uh, everyone. And I said, well, Mr. Mr. Chua, can you come? The country is not run, run, run by gangsters, run by... But I did what was right. But after I clicked send, guess what? I wasn't feeling happy. I was feeling, oh. I felt I grieved the Holy Spirit. So you can do what is right with a wrong posture. You grieve the Holy Spirit. Likewise, whenever I you know, put up a, a great show in preaching and I feel good about myself, I say, wow, this is amazing. And when I went back home, I felt the grief of the Holy Spirit because is this about you, Daniel? Is this really about you? I felt good. People were coming up to me. Wow, amazing word, uh, Pastor. Wow, you are a good preacher. I felt grief because I, because I grieved the Holy Spirit, He has feelings when we reject Him, He is grieved. When, when we are unkind to the people that He loves, He is grieved. So we must understand that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. He also has a will. Right? And in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 11, we read how He gives gifts to men as He wills. All right, so to some, He would... You know, and endow upon them the gift of prophecy. To some, He will give them you know, the gift of faith. And of course, we can all move in all nine gifts, but to some, He gifted them a little bit more because He, he, he has a will. He says, Christian, I, I like you. I can see you working in this. I give you faith. Okay, He has a will. Amen. All right, so He's a person. He is not a force. He is, is he, he, He's not it. All right, he, he is all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, and He is God. Somebody say, Amen. In fact, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 17 uses the word Lord in reference to the Spirit. He says, the Lord is the Spirit. So that's just the foundation I want to lay. It is very important for us to know that He's a person. He can be grieved, he can, which means He can also be delighted. He can also be pleased. When we make room for Him to move in our service, He's pleased. When we acknowledge Him in our lives, He is pleased. When we say, good morning, Holy Spirit, He is pleased. When we go to school and we say, Holy Spirit, you and I can change my school together, He is pleased. When we try to do the impossible with His help, He is pleased. We can partner with the Holy Spirit. And I, I, just, I just want to sum up my message this morning, a long summary, <laughs> uh, by saying that He is the unseen person actively working in the church in at least two ways. All right, and I'll just share with you these two very fundamental basic ways in which He works in us and through us, and then we'll have a time of prayer at the end. In at least two ways. He's unseen, but He's working. Just like the, the song that we sing, we don't see Him, He's working. He's working all the time. He's not stopping. He's working. Amen. The first way He works is that Holy Spirit encourages Christians. I know it's so basic, but He encourages Christians. I want to show you this verse, which is very interesting. All right, it's, it's in Acts chapter 9, verse 31. I love this verse. Acts 9, 31 says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. Living in the fear of the Lord. See, this is one area we don't talk about a lot now, nowadays, but the fear of the, uh, the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. Increase in number. Wow, I love this. The church was encouraged by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us courage. He encourages Christians. See, there's a huge difference between being encouraged by a person versus being encouraged by something that's impersonal. We can all be encouraged by a movie we watch, uh, by a song we hear, uh, by, by even the weather. I'm super encouraged in the last few days. Oh, so cool. I'm so encouraged. All right. We can be encouraged by impersonal things, but it's different when you are encouraged by a living being. Amen? 
And the Holy Spirit is a person who encourages. We think of Jonathan in the Old Testament who encouraged David or Barnabas in the New Testament who encouraged Paul and the early church. So likewise, the Holy Spirit encourages. You don't see Him, but He's always there and He wants to encourage you. Come on, Christians. He wants to put courage into your soul. He wants you to be courageous, to be brave. Amen? He encourages us. Let's, let's read... Uh, so the, so the verse encourage actually is translated into the Greek word paraklesis and we read a similar word form in John 14 verse 16. And let's read this. So what, what the Bible says, I will ask the Father and He will give you another comforter. The word there is parakletos. It's the same uh, root word and who will, who will come alongside you to help you. So the word parakletos or paraklesis is translated into different words like comforter, counselor, advocate, encourager. It's the same word, the same root word. So that's his nature. The Holy Spirit's nature is an encourager. And the word parakletos means to come alongside, which, which means to walk beside you. I love the word picture. Do you know... Many, many times people say, I feel so alone. No, you are not. You are never alone. He's walking alongside you. This is who He is. He is uh, he's known by His name. That's His nature. He likes to walk. In fact, He's in you, but He's also walking alongside you and He's constantly encouraging you. Sometimes you don't know it, but, he's, but He is doing it in some of the most unusual ways. Like he will remind you of Bible verses. Have you ever experienced that? He whispers into your, in, into your ears a verse. He will, he will remind you of a story. He will remind you of a person. He will remind you of what he, what he has done in your life. And sometimes He reminds you with songs that you hear. Not just Christian songs, but even non-Christian songs. I'm serious. Even non-Christian songs. Like, you know, I... I remember when I was feeling alone as a young person, I was walking and, and I heard Michael Jackson singing. To my, is this by Michael Jack, Jackson? You are not alone. Is by, yeah. I was just listening and I said, my goodness, I'm hearing Michael Jackson in, in my ears, not from the music. And it's the Holy Spirit reminding me, hey Daniel, you are not alone. It's not my imagination. It's the Holy Spirit encouraging me. He's an encourager. Someone say amen. Oh, I love... He will tell you your past breakthroughs, what He has done, that He is able... I mean, my goodness, He is constantly encouraging the church, living in the fear of the Lord and the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. The church grew in numbers. You want church growth? Fear God, be encouraged by the Holy Spirit, you will grow in number. All these things are just peripherals. Great to have, but let's live in the fear of the Lord. Honor Him acknowledge that He is present and if God is really here, we'll do things pretty differently, alright? We'll give Him room to move but also His encouragement. Give room for Him to encourage you which is why promotional time, we have a prophetic team. That's why after service, don't just walk away. Come if you need encouragement, the team is here to encourage you in the Holy Spirit. Prophetic team, people say Amen. Amen. To encourage you. Give them some business. But it's not just them. All of us can be used by God to encourage. Amen. All of us can ask a simple question. Can I pray for you before you leave? We are all conduits of the activity of the Holy Spirit. He wants to encourage the church. But also, you know, if you are... One of the ways he encourages is by afflicting the comfortable. I mean, he's called the comfortable, the comfortable, but he doesn't want the church to be comfortable. Amen. He wants us to be uncomfortable. When there's comfort, we, you know, we 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 kind of slip into indifference. You know, and I like what, and this I'm quoting. And I know it's controversial, but I. I love the body of Christ and I'm quoting from Pope Francis. And Pope Francis says this, to put it simply, I don't have it on the screen, it's super long, right? The Holy Spirit, he says, borders us. Oh, I love it. Because he moves us, he makes us walk, he pushes the church to go forward and we are like Peter at the transfiguration. Ah, how wonderful it is to be here like this all together. But don't bother us. 
uh, we, we want the Holy Spirit to dose off. We want to domesticate the Holy Spirit. And that's no good, he said. But he, because he's God, he's the wind which comes and goes and you don't know where. He's the power of God. He's the one who gives us consolation and strength to move forward. But to move forward. And he bothers us. It's so nice. It's so much nicer to be comfortable. But the Holy Spirit bothers us. How's that? I love it. You know, he doesn't allow me to just slip into my backslidden stage. I listen. It's so easy for us to, to be comfortable. I just love it when, when he comes and just whispers into my ears and he bothers me. I say, Daniel, what about the way you speak to your wife, the way you treat your, your, your kids, the way you were rude? I, I remember when uh, I was rude to, to Mary Beth one day, right? And I was rude. And guess who, who the Holy Spirit used to tell me I was rude? Megan. I mean, my, my, my eight years old came up to me and said, Daddy... Uh, that is not right. <laughs> I said, my goodness, my daughter correcting me with no fear and trembling. <laughs> Untypical of Asian. I love it. I'm not, uh, I say, and, 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 and I say, Megan, why that was wrong? Because that was not right. You know, Megan, um, so she just, she just explained to me. So I said, okay, I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I went to the room and said, Mary Beth, I'm sorry. And we became best mates again. Yay. <laughs> I love my, my kids whom I can hug, but also who corrects me. Amen. So Holy Spirit will flick the comfortable. And I pray that all of us will make room for Him in our lives for us to remind us you know, of uh, the fact that we need to represent Jesus better in this world. Amen. So He encourages us. And my last point, and I'll close soon, is the Holy Spirit empowers Christians. The Holy Spirit empowers Christians and that's where I want to talk to you about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And my belief, because it's my experience, you can go and on, in your own word search, you can study, but my experience is that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a distinct and separate experience from salvation. It's distinct and it's separate. I believe that when... Uh, before we are saved, okay, uh, let me just read to you my notes. I love it. All right. Holy Spirit introduces you to Jesus at salvation. All right, he was the unseen person there to introduce you to Jesus when you say, yes, I open up my heart. He was there, you didn't know that, but you felt your heart strangely warm. You felt your stomach fluttering like butterflies and you say, I need Jesus in my life. All right, he was there. And Jesus, but yet, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus was the one who introduces you to the Holy Spirit when you're baptized in the Spirit. In fact, He's called the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. There's this thing between them, Holy Spirit and Jesus. And when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, Jesus was the one who fills me with His Spirit. And that's how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit goes after you before you become a Christian. All of us here, believe me, we didn't just choose to become Christians. He was going after us. I like what the poet, the English poet Francis Thompson, who first coined or called the Holy Spirit the hound of heaven. Now, and I love it. He's hounding us. It's a, it's a bit like he doesn't let, let us go. He's chasing us. He's, you know, it's, it's a bit like, you know, what the old mystics call him, the wild goose. I mean, he's wild at, at heart. You, you think he's tame? No, man. He's like wildfire. He's chasing after us. Why? Because he wants Jesus to receive the full reward for his suffering. And that's your soul and my soul. And he's hounding us. The same way he's hounded me for, for many years as a, as a kid growing up. And he somehow path my way to, to the right school and that's how I came to Christ it's not my choosing he hounded me perhaps some of you here this morning you are here not as a believer yet and your friend has been pestering you guess what God is using your friend to hound you come on come come and it's time in this Christmas season for us to hound our friends uh, next Sunday let's hound them together with the Holy Spirit come on <laughs> He hounds us. He chases you down. He convicts you of your sinful nature and the need for a Savior. Amen. And then He comes to live inside us. I mean, this is the most amazing experience I've ever had. I was a blatant liar before I became a, a Christian. I, did, I didn't know what changed. But after I sincerely asked Christ to come into my life, when I told my first lie, there was conviction. I said, 
something is not right. I have a different nature. I was rude to my parents growing up. But when I was rude to my mom after he comes to live in me, I felt strange. I felt, like, I felt something doesn't feel right. All right. I was offering incense before I became a Christian. And after I offered incense you know, uh, to my household gods, I felt something is not right. What's that? Nothing has changed except me saying, Jesus come into my life and become my Savior and my Lord. But at the instance, the Bible tells us that He comes and He dwells inside us. In fact, the Bible calls us the temple of the Holy Spirit. Listen, there is no sacred places on the world now. There are places where I believe God moves, but there's a, but, but there's a sacred part of you that He comes and He lives inside you. Amen. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit. I love what N.T. Wright says. I don't know why I quote him here, but N.T. Wright says, those in whom the Spirit comes to live are God's new temple. They are individually and corporately places where heaven and earth meet. Lovely. Amen. Right here is where heaven and earth meet anywhere and everywhere you go the temple goes when you go to when you go to work on on monday the temple goes to work you become a sacred place where god can move when you go to school in january the temple goes to school you are the sacred place you are the place of worship you carry with you the divine presence of god he lives inside you right and that is the difference between a person who knows Jesus and didn't know Jesus. But when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He comes upon you. And I believe that's where a good number of the church still have not experienced. The coming upon of the Holy Spirit. Coming upon your life. And that's what Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says. And you will receive power and the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will become my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. When He comes upon you. There's a difference when He comes and lives inside you, convicts you, when He comes upon you to empower you. The word witness here is the word martus, and I believe I've said this here before, which we get the word martyr which is a person you know, who's willing to live and die for his faith. Someone who will tell another person what they have seen or they have heard, regardless of the price. And the reason why sometimes we're ashamed of the gospel is because maybe, I'm just guessing, we have not received the coming upon of the Holy Ghost. It is what happened to Peter, who was denying Jesus before Acts chapter 2. And after that, he became a fiery preacher of the gospel. He was able to boldly proclaim the gospel because of the infilling, the coming upon of the Holy Spirit. I am an, in, I am an introvert. Some of you don't believe that. It is true. All right? I'm a very expressive introvert. You can be expressively introverted. Very expressive. But if, but if just one-on-one, -on -one, you'll see me look down, look up, look left. I'm super shy as a, as a person. I believe that's because when I was growing up, you heard my story, I started when, when I was, uh, when I speak, I started when I was growing up because I was the only child for nine years. There was no one there to talk to me. So my linguistic development was a bit behind growing up. I would will, I will talk to my, to my teddy bear, I will talk to my pillow, but I've got no brother. My parents uh, were busy. My mom you know, was there, but doesn't really engage like most typical. So I would grow up as talking to my teddy bear and to my pillow. And I couldn't really speak well, and so I started in school. And when you start in school, uh, the school labels you, right? Your friends will start to, to make fun of you, and they'll start to call you names, and uh, there are all kinds of names, right? And so, and the more they make fun of you, the, the less I talk. And, and then I, I stopped talking because I started when I, when I talk. And I can't go to a fight. I, I can't go into an argument. And I've always admired the debaters, and I was like, I've got a lot of angst I can debate, but I just cannot. <laughs> you know, and so I say, ah, if only. Right, so I grew up stuttering. <clears throat> so after I became a Christian, I was trying to share my faith. My first convert, you know, was a miracle. And that, that basically showed me that God will use us regardless. 
All right, so my first column was a junior in my table tennis team, and I, I, it took me two hours to present to him the gospel. Not, not because I have so much to say. I was stuttering throughout my, my sharing. And, and we were taught, all right, when you witness, to always close the sale, right? That, that's different now. It's open-ended. It's the person's choice. But when I was growing up, you must always close the deal. Always. And so, with fear and trembling, putting what I've learned into practice from crew, crusade in those days, I must close the deal. And so, I was starting, you want to be, become a Christian, I said. And in my mind, I, uh, I said, ah, impossible. I, I, I was such a terrible witness. He said, yes. I said, what, really? And so I said, <laughs> but I felt powerless. I felt powerless. And, and six, nine months in, into my newfound faith, you know, I, I was feeling dry. I was in church. I was feeling dry. And I was falling asleep during the sermon. I, I, I found Bible study boring. I looked at my leaders and they were heathens. I mean, I said to myself, what's the point of uh, me? I mean, seriously, they were saying strange things to me when I was uh, a young Christian. And I said, what? Exactly What? They, were, they told me, be very careful with this Holy Spirit thing, you know, and so I kept my distance, but we went for, to a festival of praise in those days. It was a young people thing, and, and, uh, and my friends, you know, and us were together, and I, I'm, I'm just sharing with, with you, and I'll come to a close, right? Some of my early encounters with the Holy Spirit. So I'll be there, and I was told to be careful with this Holy Spirit thing. You, you can go and sing, but this is a charismatic event, so be very careful. And so I said, okay, I'll be very careful. And then I believe one of the pastors you know, was uh, preaching, he gave, a, he gave a call, and my friends were with me. The whole class went, all right? It was, in those days, there was revi a revival that, that, that was going through my second Dewey schools. The whole class went, and my friends who were against the, the faith uh, responded and walked down to receive Jesus. And I, as I saw that, for no reason, it's not the aircon, no one was shaking me, I was shaking. I said, what's happening to me? It was my first encounter uh, after Good Morning Holy Spirit in a public setting. I said, this is strange. I was afraid, but at the same time, I felt, oh, this, is, this is amazing. It's like the Holy Spirit was tangibly moving in the indoor stadium. And then uh, uh, there, was a, there was a group that started in, in my school. They call themselves Christians from BCC, right? It's not, not BCC like blind carbon uh, copy. BCC stands for Bedok Christian Center, which is the precursor, uh, it, it, which is before it was called Cornerstone, BCC for four or five years. And they were almost cultic in a, in a, good, in, in a good way. I mean, the leaders would come every single day and then he would buy food for, for all the pre-believers and we'll go out or we'll sneak out you know, to the school and he'll feed us like McDonald's french fries and, all, and we'll be there. There'll be Bible study in one of the pastor's house. We'll be going over and I felt myself being drawn into this charismatic thing. People were singing and, uh, but I was told by my leaders, be very careful with this charismatic thing and uh, I said, my goodness, a lot of my friends who were in my church then was going to BCC. I said, I'll be a spy one Sunday morning. So I became a spy one Sunday. I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll quietly leave my service and I'll go and check out this BCC thing. And so I went to BCC. It was in an old, you heard my story, so just bear with me, all right, for those who have not. All right, there's this rundown cinema. It's called Sim Kim Kok Theater in, in the Katong area. Uh, and I went that Sunday and I had the shock of my life. You think this is raw and grungy? I mean, that place was like raw, man. It was as hipster as hipster can be. I mean, well, creaking seats. You know, there was a river that runs in between. It was a separation between the stage. It was in those days, all the Getai, you know, all those who, who sing, you know, uh, they would sing all kinds of like Chinese songs and there's a river because people would, you know, and so, and, uh, and there was a full band. Now, in those days, there were only two churches with bands, all right? You must understand what you have today, 20 years ago, was rare. It was, it, it was Ecclesia, who became City Harvest Church and BCC, right? The rest are all like, Using drums, demonic, demonic. All right, you are summoning <laughs> spirits. <laughs> and so we were, we were taught there were like exposing drums seminars within the local church. We've come a long way, man. 
We've come a long way. Electric guitar was for those who, had, oh, I mean, we, were, we had all these talks. And, but so we had a full band in BCC and I looked up and said, my goodness, everything that my leaders were telling me about. <laughs> Confirm it's a cult. Confirm. And I said that people were walking around before service. They weren't kneeling down and said their prayers first. You have to honor the, you know, the, the house of, of the, uh, the Lord. You cannot talk. Uh, I mean, people are running around a bit like that. They, they bring their drinks in to a to consecrated ground. That's, that, that's like, my goodness, you, you have got coffee and tea in consecrated ground. <sighs> so I was judging every single thing from the music to, to the band and they were playing Rise Up, You People of Power. I mean, it's like a rock song, man. Stand up across the land. And people were like, I'm not kidding you. This is already very tame. In those days, I mean, they were like, and, and the worship leader was a friend, you know, and he has got long hair then. He was 18, 19 years old, was a leader in the church. He, flip, flip, he flips his hair. And I say, oh my goodness, this is a bit, you know, this was uh, Victor Chong. I was like, oh, oh my goodness, everything that's, that can be wrong with this church, wrong. <laughs> and then Pastor Yang came up. And he has long hair, he was 30, he was 32 years old then, longer hair. And you know, he was like taking the microphone, there was no cordless then, it was a long cord. And he was doing like, he keep, you know, because he was moving around, he keep crossing his, you know, walking around. <laughs> cord, right? Crossing and he was like pacing up, up and down. And he looks very angry. He hasn't changed, he looks very, he was like preaching. <laughs> like preaching. I said, wow, for the first time, I, I, I didn't fall asleep. <laughs> I was like, that guy is fierce, man. He was preaching and I was like spellbound by his sermon. I didn't remember what, what, what he said though. I, I know it was a great sermon, but I, I didn't fall asleep. And then he gave an altar call and this is where I'll, you know, maybe come to, a, to an end. He gave an altar call and he gave the altar call. You know, uh, he said, if you, have, if, you have, if you want to give your life back to God again, if you want to rededicate your life, and that sounds really religious. I've got no idea what that meant, except it sounds like a good thing, right? To rededicate your life is a good thing. And so I said, okay, I'll rededicate my life. I put my hands up, close my eyes, uh, and then I walked to the front to my amazement. The only two people who rededicated their life. This is not a very spiritual church. No different from where I came from, except that they are a bit more hyped up. They are not on fire. I said, dedicate your life. You know, no one does that. <laughs> I didn't know that it was for backsliders you know, who want to re-dedicate your life. <laughs> so uh, people were surrounding me and then Pastor Yang says, lift up your hands. I said, it's awkward, but I lift up my hands. And he said, the Holy Spirit is here. And when he said that, I mean, my, that, that day my whole world changed. Church, that day my whole world changed. I encountered Jesus powerfully. I, you heard my story. I was tearing, crying. But that day, I felt the person of the Holy Spirit moving from my left into my being, coming upon me. I was trembling. I was like shaking. I, I was crying. I said, this is the most amazing experience I've ever had. And then that, and then that, and then that thing, I, I didn't know was a person then, this left, and then he came in again. And I was like, my goodness, everything changed. Everything changed. And since then, since then I became uh, an addict, I would say, to the presence of God. An addict. Listen, if you've never experienced that, you, don't, you wouldn't know what I'm talking about. You don't know what I'm talking about. When you have that person of the Holy Spirit, you know, and since then, you know, I, I was so hungry, man. People can tell me it's demonic. I said, I've experienced it. There's no fear. It's just full of love and gentleness. Yet there was a power. It's oxymoronic. All right? I mean, it's like powerful, paradoxical. I mean, I can use all the big words. I mean, it's, it's, it's powerful yet gentle. It is fierce yet loving. I mean, I was just feeling the person. And since then, I've been thrown all around, row on the floor, crying. Every time he met me, whether it's in a gentle way or in a powerful way, I said, I want more of this. And then we remember in the early part of our church, you know, I think some of you will remember that you were, you were youth then. I, I mean, we had a sovereign move of God for about four or five months, I think. You know, and then the young people then would stay back in church. They would be worshipping. 
And then uh, you know there there will be this tall guy, uh, has got no hair. He likes to point at people, and, and people would be like you know on the floor and be having tough encounters with God. I really believe that is why some of you are still in church, because you encountered God in a powerful way. Holy Spirit coming upon us. That's why the Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the word filled there is not a one-time thing. I believe it's one baptism, but many, 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 many infillings. You want to walk in power, you want to walk in presence, you need many, multiple, as often as you can. Be filled. That's the Greek word. Keep on being filled. You can ask God every morning, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Be filled. If people ask you what prayer request do you have, God, fill me again with the Holy Spirit. I mean, that is how we do it. Can I bend on stage, please? As I close, I believe the Holy Spirit empowers us to do three things. All right, and with this, I'll close. Do I have more quote than no, right? I believe the Holy Spirit empowers us to be with Jesus. You know where I'm going, right? Going back to Francis Chan, he says, if I tell it, if I tell enough jokes or use enough visuals, the fact remains that I cannot convince people to be obsessed with Jesus. Perhaps I can talk people into praying a prayer, but I cannot talk anyone into falling in love with Christ. I cannot make someone understand and accept the gift of grace. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. So by every measure that actually counts, I need the Holy Spirit desperately. We can talk all we want, preach all we want, have all the best plays, the best music, but only Holy Spirit can bring us into a place where we are obsessed with Jesus. If you are my friends on Facebook, I've not updated Facebook for a long, long time, but for some reason I woke up yesterday morning and the song that rings in my head was, uh, All I Want Is More Of You. You know, and to be honest, you know, I've lived a very interesting life, if you, if, you, if you know me, right, in the last, especially in the last 20 years, but especially more so in the last few years. But nothing I've experienced can measure up to what I've just said. Meeting Jesus as a 15 years old, encountering the Holy Spirit at 17 years old, and since then, just having this amazing walk with with God where we are in an adventure together. No money can buy that. No fame, fortune, accolades, you know, that you can get, you know, can ever fill that hole in your heart. Only Jesus can. Only Holy Spirit can. All I want is more of you. You know, and I think that as you, if you stick close to God and as you grow older, you will realize that the number of likes that you have on Instagram, how many followers you have, how much bonus you get at this time of the year, all these things would pale in comparison. Trade anything. Trade your bonus for an encounter with God. Listen. Trade your number of likes you, you have or followers you have on Instagram or, you know, with an encounter with God. And I tell you, it's worth it. In fact, it pales in comparison. Pales. All I want is more of Him. But he also empowers us to, be, to live like Jesus. Again, R.T. Kendall says this, the power of the Holy Spirit cannot be successfully duplicated. If a person is supernaturally changed and given a love for God's glory, God did it. It can't be duplicated. God, the Holy Spirit, helps us live like Jesus. Going back to Francis, because since I borrowed so much from his book, in terms of his quote, right? He, he says this, I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. I love this. I want people to look at my life and know that I can't, uh, couldn't be doing this by my own power. When I read this, I said, God, this sums up my life, man. A starter who is preaching, a guy who is introverted, becoming a youth pastor, no knowledge of whatever, you know, finance and all that, being involved in, you know, in uh, foundation work. I, I've got no idea, God, why was I chosen? Except the fact that I've got Him. How about this, church? What if all of us can say this? I don't, I don't want my life to be explainable without the Holy Spirit. What, what about if, you know, this become like a driving force in our life. 
But we don't want our lives to be ex- nothing else can explain this. Nothing else. It's me and Holy Spirit. A revival in my school. It's not my charisma. It's us. Generating wealth. Me. Lastly, to do the works of Jesus. See, the world is not moved by love or actions that are of human creation. When believers live in the power of the Spirit, the evidence in their lives is supernatural. And the church cannot help but be different. And the world cannot help but notice. We're trying so hard to be like the world, to win the world. Can I say this? that it is our difference that will attract the world to us. Are you with me? We, we don't have to, to be, try to be like uh, the world. Pastors, if you aspire to be a preacher, you don't need skinny jeans. Or if you want to be fashionable, can, all right? But you don't need, it's not the form that matters. It's the man, it's the person who carries the unction of the Holy Spirit. It's not just for the pulpit. Can I say this to all the parents here? You need the Holy Spirit to be a great parent. Because you know in your heart of hearts, apart from Him, you can do nothing. You, we, we need to be supernatural parents. We need to be supernatural policemen, supernatural counselors, supernatural civil servants, supernatural finance directors, supernatural investors. Not supernatural, just praying for people. We need Him in every area of our lives. Amen. So let's go back to Francis. He says this. <laughs> let's pray that God would empower us so radically that we would get no glory. That people would see our works and glorify God. Let's pray that God would empower us so radically that we would get no glory. That people would see our works and glorify God. And I've not read that, that book. I just basically, you know, went to, to read a summary of what he wrote. And I was like, super stirred. If you want to read The Forgotten God, I think it could be a good Christmas read. If, 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 you know, from an evangelical who built a 3,000 members church, gave it up and uh, became a missionary and now moved to Hong Kong. And I believe he made the decision when we were together with Francis Chan in uh, Myanmar. He was so moved by what he saw in Burma. We had a meal together. He was processing his... He says, I've, I've been feeling stirred to move to Asia. I said, that's a good move, I said. You know, and I said, move. We'll support you. We'll, and, and then a few weeks later, he posted and said, I'm moving to Asia. So my question that we have this morning as we close our eyes, and in a few moments' time, I'll invite you to stand. But there are some people I, want, I would love to pray for. As I said, the Holy Spirit pursues us. He goes after us before we became Christians. And if there are people here who don't know Jesus yet, who are far away from Jesus, in a few moments' time, I'll count to three on three. I want you where you are, gently slip up your hand and I'll pray for you and help you invite Jesus into your life. But it's the Holy Spirit who has been pursuing you. I believe the reason why you're even here this morning is because the Holy Spirit has been pursuing you. All right, you may be a Christian, but you have been far, far away from God and you are trying to find your way back. This morning, listen, it's as simple as just saying, Holy Spirit, here I am. Bring me back into my Father's embrace and He will do that. He's pursuing you. He's chasing you down. He's the hound of heaven. And if, and if that's you on three, I, I, I want to pray for you, all right? So just one, two, and three. Hands up if that's, if that's you. Any hands? I'll just wait for a while. Amazing. He's chasing you. If you feel far away from the Lord this morning, He wants to bring you near. The next year, Andre, Andre just told me that every Sunday he'll be giving a, a call for people to come to know Christ. I said, that's amazing. We used to do that in, in, in our younger days and every Sunday we'll have two or three people saying yes. And we want to facilitate that. We want to partner with the Holy Spirit to help people discover this amazing Savior that we have. So next year, let's, let's all do our part and our partner with the Holy Spirit to help chase people down starting from next Sunday. How's that? Amen. Amen.
all right? But also, He comes to live inside us. But more than that, He wants to come upon us. And I believe this morning, He wants to fill some of us with the Holy Spirit. Jesus wants to introduce you. All right, so how do we receive the Holy Spirit? I believe, number one, we just have to believe that He's the promise of the Father. That if we being even know how to give good gifts to our kids, how much more our Father. So when you ask Him for the Holy Spirit, He will give you the spirit of promise. Number, number two, acknowledge that you need Him. The Bible says, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Just tell God, God, I'm thirsty. And number three, just by faith, ask in Jesus' name and receive. And this morning, we want to do that. So let's all stand to our feet. And if you have not experienced God the way I said, if you want a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, as Tim leads us in this song, you know, there's no need for further encouragement. You know, he's already doing that. He's encouraging you. You're, you're feeling it. All right? So respond quickly. This is how you know, we can partner. This is how we can just work with God a little bit faster. Right? Respond quicker. If you need a fresh infilling,